Texas bombing situation sounds like something out of a, a movie or a television series where they're chasing down this killer and then ultimately blows himself up mm-hmm. as police close in. Like that was the headline that I noticed this morning on CNN. Alleged or suspected bomber blows himself up as the officers were closing in. I thought, good lord, that's uh. Scary stuff happening in Texas. How many bombs was that now? Was it five? Well, I guess if we count that one. That would be six. I guess we would call it five or six. Yeah, you know what? I'd have to look at that. I thought we were at five with that FedEx one yesterday. So that would make it six today. Exactly. So uh, fairly reminiscent, this whole situation of what happened in Washington, D.C. about 15 years ago when you had... um, is it James Malvo and his accomplice driving around well, shooting people? Yeah, out of the trunk of a car. Uh, Doug Brown, the former Blue Bomber, co-host of mine on the Blue Bomber podcast, lived in Washington at that time, and I've spoken to him mm. about how horrifying it was to be in D.C. at that time. And I can only imagine what's been like in and around Austin, Texas, with all this going on. The White House yesterday called this not terrorism. They classified this as a non-terroristic act. And is this not the purest form of terrorism and domestic terrorism? Whether the individual had any sort of any 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 sort of ideals of of causing change or putting the government into the throes of revolution or anything like that. But I, I mean, when you terrorize a, a city of a million people, does this not qualify as? Textbook terrorism? Well, the definition of terrorism, uh, Just I just typed in terrorism definition, and the first one that pops up, just Google's snapshot of it, is the unlawful use of violence and intimidation, especially against civilians, in the pursuit of political aims. So that political tie is critical. I guess so, yeah. So, so we without don't a yet manifesto know. or anything like that, we don't know if there was anything attached to this. Yeah, so far it looks like all they really know, or all they're really revealing, I should say, about the suspect is that he is a 24-year-old white male. So we don't yet know what his motivations were. We don't know who this guy was and whether or not his acts were politically motivated. So I'm sure that they will reveal those details I bet you within the next, I bet you within the next eight hours, we'll know the guy's name. You're usually right. pretty quick on the draw with right. revealing that kind of stuff in the United States. Uh, this is also reminiscent of uh, what happened in London, Ontario, with former Winnipegger Aaron Driver. Yep. Right when the RCMP and the police uh, in London, Ontario, were closing in on him, he chose to take his own life with his incinerator device. I know I said that wrong, um, but uh, yes, that. Nightmare at least seems to be over, at least for the time being, for the folks in Central Texas. Veterinarians in Kenya have made the difficult decision to euthanize a rhinoceros named Sudan, believed to be on the edge of extinction. He was the last of his species, born in the wild and the last known male. As Global National's Mike Armstrong explains, there is hope the species can be saved, but it won't be easy. He spent his final days suffering. By the end, Sudan couldn't stand. He had a skin wound that wasn't healing properly, and he was in pain. The veterinarian team that had been trying to keep him alive decided to let him go. 
after bringing everybody together yesterday at around 3 p.m we started the procedure of euthanasia there are now only two known northern white rhinos left both females and both related to sudan his daughter and granddaughter live on the same conservancy they are the last of an animal that once roamed free by the thousands it shows clearly the extent of human greed and what sort of impact human beings can have on nature. There are two subspecies of white rhino. The southern white rhino, native to South Africa. Thanks to conservation, there are about 20,000 today. But the northern white rhino hasn't been so lucky. 50 years ago, they were spread right across the middle of the continent, but in an area where political conflicts left them unprotected. Between poaching and the loss of their natural habitat, they're now believed to be extinct in the wild. Even perched on the edge of disappearing, poachers were still killing them. On the black market, their horns are more valuable than gold. They're used in traditional Chinese medicine, even though they're basically like fingernails and don't really do anything. You know, if you want to buy rhino horn, just chew your fingernails instead and you'll be just as well off. Science may be the last hope. There is frozen semen from other now deceased northern white rhinos that could fertilize eggs from the living females. Another species might have to be used as a surrogate. It is complicated and expensive, likely costing more than $10 million, but advocates say you can't put a price on an entire species. Mike Armstrong, Global News. One of the things that this reminds me of, Greg, uh, is when I was watching Blue Planet 2 recently on BBC Earth, and last year when I was watching Planet Earth 2, is they, they, they show all these wonderful species and how awesome and cool nature is, but then they always make sure to include some kind of environmental message. Sometimes it's a little heavy-handed, but uh, sometimes it's necessary because it, it shows you how awful human beings can be. And when you hear stories like this... It's disgusting to know that this has happened because of us. We are, uh, we are a horrible species. We are horrible stewards of our planet. Uh, don't say that lightly. This is just another example of how greedy we can be. I think the word greed was uttered in that report at least once, if not twice. Um, this is just a very sad day and highlights how just how selfish we are on this planet we believe that uh, everything on it belongs to us and uh, until we sort out that uh, we're going to be uh, traveling down this trail of of getting rid of species uh, multiples a day of species uh, going extinct on our planet very sad Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry has mentioned uh, Cambridge Analytica, a company that many of us had never heard of up until Monday. And our love affair with social media is undergoing a massive stress test as we speak. Allegations of data manipulation tied to the U.S. presidential elections has the attention of the Canadian-born Privacy Commissioner in Great Britain. Here's Global News European Bureau Chief Jeff Semple. The man in charge of Cambridge Analytica arrived at his London headquarters to a crush of news cameras and a growing political storm. Speaking out for the first time, Cambridge Analytica's CEO calls the allegations of an online data breach a witch hunt. 
We see this as a, a coordinated attack by uh, the media that's been going on for very, very many months. But Alexander Nix has now been suspended by Cambridge Analytica after undercover video showed him suggesting the possibility of using bribes and sex workers to smear political opponents and bragging about his involvement in Trump's campaign. Have you met Mr. Trump? Many times. You have? We did all the research, all the data, all the analytics, all the targeting. These allegations are very serious. The British Information Commissioner, Canadian Elizabeth Denham, is now leading the investigation into claims made by fellow Canadian whistleblower Christopher Wiley. I don't think that we should put all the responsibility on users to protect their own data. Elizabeth Denham says that so far Cambridge Analytica is refusing to cooperate with her investigation. So she's now seeking an urgent court warrant to enter the company's offices here in central London to look for evidence. Governments in Europe and North America have also called on Mark Zuckerberg to testify. The Facebook founder has remained silent since the allegations surfaced last week, sparking headlines asking, where's Zuck? And the trending hashtag, delete Facebook. Digital security experts say this case is extreme, but not unusual. All of these companies exist to make money, their businesses. Um, and I guess if you can't see a product that they're selling, then the likelihood is that you are in fact that product. Typically, your online personal data is used to sell products, but it can also be used to target voters and spread misinformation and fear. Jeff Semple, Global News, London. If this operation unfolded as investigators believe it did, it may have helped manipulate the very people it got data from, Facebook users. It has people across the planet contemplating the future of their relationship with Facebook. And Jeff Semple, in fact, joined Julian Richard yesterday afternoon on the news on 680 CJOB to tell us how this story came to light. Channel 4 went undercover. The British broadcaster ITN Channel 4 News used hidden cameras and went out pretending to be a client looking for the services of Cambridge Analytica. And this is, if you haven't heard of them before, they're a pretty secretive research and consulting firm based here in London. Uh, but they are also were hired um, a couple of years ago to help Donald Trump in his U.S. presidential campaign. Um, so what this undercover video revealed, along with you know allegations that we've also heard from a whistleblower, a Canadian whistleblower who used to work at the company, painting the picture of dirty tactics used by Cambridge Analytica. Now, these allegations the company denies fiercely, but these allegations claim that the company used tens of millions of Facebook users' personal private data, data they shouldn't have had access to, that they used it to help Donald Trump become president, that they targeted those voters, used their personal information to create targeted campaigns, and also to create and spread misinformation, fear, and effectively help hand Donald Trump the keys to the White House. Now, as I say, Cambridge Analytica denies this, but it has created a real political storm and a fast-moving story. In fact, tonight, the CEO of Cambridge Analytica has been suspended by the company. Facebook has put out a statement just in the last hour saying that it was deceived by the company. One woman hoping to get to the bottom of... Uh, of this of these questions is the British Information Commissioner who is in fact a Canadian Elizabeth Denham who's now been tasked with investigating not only Cambridge Analytica but also Facebook to try and figure out who knew what and whether these allegations are true whether this company actually used tens of millions of Facebook accounts without the user's permission 
to create a targeted political campaign to help Donald Trump. Cambridge Analytica allegedly collected private data and other information, as Jeff Semple said, nobody should have had access to. They did this via Facebook interactions with users via plug-in or add-on applications. You may have added these to your account yourself, which has a very... uh, this has users releasing far more data, Brett, than they realize. Do you ever take surveys or quizzes on Facebook? Sometimes you can sign into these silly quizzes uh, that we get enticed into just by using your Facebook information and sign-in and login information. It looks like much of this data mining may have started with one quiz. It was, in fact, a quiz that was set up by a British university professor a few years ago, uh, and it was a Facebook quiz that about a couple hundred thousand people signed up to take. The thing was is that this quiz then gave this British professor access to these people's Facebook accounts, their personal data, not only their personal data, but all of their friends' personal data as well. So if you were a Facebook friend with one of these people, then suddenly this professor here in the UK had access to all of your personal data online. So there were 270,000 people who signed up to take this quiz. In the end, the company and this professor ended up with 50 million different Facebook users' personal data. They use that data, allegedly, to create and target their political campaign on behalf of Donald Trump and the White House. Now, again, these are unproven allegations at this point, but the allegations themselves have created an unbelievable international firestorm. Um, and so I think, you know, we've seen, as we say, people closing down their Facebook accounts. Mark Zuckerberg has been unusually silent, despite the fact that his company has lost billions of dollars in value with stock market, um, with the stock market tanking and, um, you know, real questions for him. He's, he's now facing calls from the British government as well as governments in the United States for him to come and testify to explain whether he knew and and if and when he knew that this all of these Facebook users' accounts were being used in this way and what he did to prevent it. This is going to be investigated in Canada as well. Chris Wiley, the Canadian whistleblower in the Cambridge Analytica situation, will be at the top of the list investigators and legislators will want to speak to. Hashtag delete Facebook has been trending. Are you pondering leaving Facebook? If you want to disconnect yourself from the apps or Facebook altogether, here is some technical advice from Global National's Robin Gill. Cambridge Analytica has now been removed from Facebook, and the app that obtained the data of millions of Americans is no longer online. But there are still plenty of other apps, games and quizzes, that collect your information when you use them. That can include your age, your birthday, anything that you post on your timeline, or anything that's posted about you and even information about all of the people you're connected to. To stop that from happening, go into your app settings menu and delete the apps you don't trust. There's always the option to delete your account, but according to Facebook, it will take about 90 days before all of that information is gone for good. Thank you, Robin Gill. Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry with you until 10 o'clock this morning. Cambridge Analytica. Kelly, I'm sure you own stock of Cambridge Analytica, right? You know oh, all about I this company. invested heavily in that. Absolutely. It was number one on my list. I'd never heard of it, right? Absolutely. I, I mean, I would not be what you would describe as a Facebook junkie. I go on about, oh, probably once every 10 days. Like, I, I do stuff for the, the station Facebook account, but as far as my own 
I check it out maybe about once every 10 days or so just to see what's cooking. So you don't spend a ton of time there, but this data mining yeah. scandal has caused many of us to re-examine our yeah. social media media usage, how we go about it, how do you bring these apps into your life. And just for those that don't know, because I don't think it was mentioned in our last segment, uh, Steve Bannon heard of him? Oh, yeah. He was the uh, vice president of Cambridge Analytica until he stepped down to run the Trump campaign in August hmm. 2016. Just that's just information. There's no speculation there. Just information for you. Shanalee, I know you, you uh, like the social medias, as Brett calls it. The internet social medias. <laughs> do you Or medium. Do you engage in any of these surveys or different games or or these plugins via your Facebook account? Well, it's funny. I don't really like I don't really play a lot of the Facebook games, but once in a while they have those those quizzes or something and you're like, "Oh, I'm going to I'm going to try this." But then but you have to look onto what permissions they get because um, you know, they can they can, sometimes it says like they can have your email address. Okay, I I can see that. Uh, your but your your friends list. What they want to know who my friends are? Your photos. And you have to be careful of what permissions they get. Which is funny. It's funny because my mom she would play all these Facebook games, but she would always look at what permissions hmm. they they wanted me. I would just always I used to always just oh okay sure whatever whatever. And even now when I'm I maybe I sign up for a website or I log in to a website I'm too lazy to enter my information. So it's like oh log in with Facebook. Sure, that's that's easy for me to remember. I'll just just hit that button. What else is it easy for? Mm-hmm. Somebody else to get all your information it, it, yeah. in one keystroke, Brett? The quizzes I I think when I first started seeing them years ago, I may have have done them, but I've become more suspicious of them and I will often if I see a quiz that I'm kind of curious about, I'll see if I can just find it online. And just do it that way rather than go to it through Facebook. I've never uh, played games through Facebook. I've always been leery of those because they just, when I saw what the kinds of things they wanted access to, I thought, no way. I'm not giving you access to that. (laughs) But I did check. I went into, as as we mentioned in the Global News story in our last segment, you can go into your settings and disable certain functions. And I saw that I had all these apps that I didn't realize were even attached to my account. There was something that was called to gather. So instead of together, it was to gather. That doesn't thought, sound suspicious oh, at Matt, all. What kind of information are you gathering? <laughs> Hiding in plain sight, <laughs> Brett McGarry. So that's I, the best way. I didn't even look into what it was. It had a cute logo. I assume it was something I, I clicked off like probably seven or eight years ago and completely because there were other things that like Flickster and Rotten Tomatoes that I had. I remember when I first built my Facebook page, I wanted to include this. I wanted to make sure I had that. And I just forgot that they were there. I mean, how many times has our Facebook homepage changed? You remember the initial look where it was sure just do. a simple kind of column? And then on the, <laughs> the bottom left part, you could ha- add songs that you liked and movie reviews. And I just forgot about them since they've been wiped off of my page. Uh, Jerry, all these applications running in the background. And I know you don't have a ton of time for this stuff because you're uh, as busy a person as I know. But nothing's free, right? And that's maybe the biggest thing we need to remember. If, we're, if they're giving you entertainment... And access to to you know paint abs onto your body via picture app they're not doing it to be altruistic yeah they're exactly just, yeah absolutely and you know i i never play the games i like you said i don't have time for the games uh but i you know i used to do the quizzes occasionally until one time one of the, after i did a quiz all of a sudden this uh, company that i did the quiz for started uh, posting stuff in my name 
And oh. my friends were commenting on it. And I was like, I didn't post that. I wasn't even online when that came on. So I went in and I looked at the apps and there it was. They'd, they'd installed this app. And uh, so uh, anyone who's uh, Forbes cover me, delete your app. Well, I'll tell you this. Something very bizarre happened to me on Facebook the other day in the Facebook ads. I've been having a conversation with with two of my uh, business partners about a, a specific project. It's got a very specific name, and all of a sudden, ads for that type of project started showing up in my Facebook timeline. It was super creepy mm-hmm. because I know I never, ever once mentioned it on Facebook or a private message. Wow. Yes. I don't like that. Yep. Uh, yeah, Jesse, any Google search, that'll that'll change everything you see on Facebook. Wow. Crazy, man. <laughs> 657 on 680 CJOB. Thank you very much, Kelly Moore, Shanley Vidal, and Behind the Glass, Jerry. Mackling and McGarry. British research firm Cambridge Analytica has suspended its chief executive, Alexander Nix, after a Channel 4 report caught the CEO on hidden camera bragging about using personal data from millions of Facebook users to help the Trump campaign secure the 2016 election. Facebook is drawing continued criticism for its alleged inaction to protect users' privacy. How concerned should you be about privacy when it comes to social media? To get more insight, we have asked lawyer Andrew J.D. Buck to join us. Andrew is a partner at Pitblader Law Firm and specializes in privacy and social media and joins us live this morning on 680 CJOB. Andrew, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. So let's circle back to that very question that we asked hypothetically. How concerned should you be about privacy when it comes to social media? Well, I think uh, the, the short answer is uh, fairly. And, and basically what I would say is this. When you're putting something on the Internet, keep in mind that once it's up there, it can never come back. And keep in mind that it's really easy for information to be passed around. And so what it really tells us as consumers is it's very important for us to understand what it is we're agreeing to. The issue and where that tends to break down is in situations like this where the terms of service say one thing and then someone apparently does something else. How culpable are we as users for maybe not being careful? Like if we take a quiz or we take or we play a game or we click on these things without really paying attention, isn't some of the onus on us? Great question. And that's traditionally what the law would say. The law would say, look, if there was a contract or terms and you had the opportunity to look at those terms and you didn't, if you don't like what happened, if it was in those terms, that's on you. Uh, But we're seeing a bit of a a sea change in the law. The Supreme Court of Canada has recently looked at uh, contracts in an online setting and said, geez, you know, we don't think these these traditional take-it-or-leave-it contracts, which I think we can all acknowledge no one ever really reads, uh, we're wondering whether those are effective anymore, especially in light of some of the sometimes onerous provisions. And so I think one thing we might see uh, in the coming years is a continued move towards maybe changing things up and saying, look, if you're doing these things online, you have to do more. You can't just rely on that terms of use that nobody actually reads. You have to actually bring it home to the person's attention, whether that's a pop-up box that you have to actually read through, whether you have to type in your consent. Uh, this, this incident, uh, of course, involves something that was different than the terms of use, but I think it's something that, that just underscores the importance of maybe looking at the way we traditionally do things in the online setting. Andrew, I'm old enough to remember something called negative option billing, 
where you could be sent an invoice, and if you didn't send it back, you would start getting a bill for services rendered, uh, and everything from advertising to uh, Columbia House uh, CD and Record Club, where they would send you automatically tapes and records every month, and if you didn't want them, you had to send them back, and inevitably, you end up keeping them. They changed the law. Is this a case of lawmakers being in, unable to keep up to technology and the and those that are are writing the law aren't really schooled as they ought to be in terms of the power of the technology we're using. Yeah, I, I think this is an example of a lot of the times the law does as best as it can, uh, but then when it gets right down to it, we live in a, a country where the judges apply the law, and so you need to look at a, a statute that might not refer to media. It might be media neutral and then wonder, well, how does that actually apply in this, in this situation? And so in the privacy perspective, uh, the Office of the Privacy Commissioner in Canada is looking at that right now. We have our privacy laws, uh, PIPETA or PIPEDA, that apply to these things that are media neutral. And the Office of the Privacy Commissioner in Canada is now saying, well, we need to look at what consent really means in the online context. And so to loop back to your question, I think the answer is, the people who are both making and enforcing the laws have identified this as an issue, and they're looking at ways to try to deal with that. Because as you say, I had the Columbia House CDs. I think that was probably the first CD I ever bought, and then I probably ended up buying another 12 that maybe I didn't want. So you're absolutely right. It's an example of needing to adapt and the law trying to catch up with the technological realities, because sometimes technology moves faster than the law can. Andrew J.D. Buck is our guest, partner at Pitt Plato Law Firm, specializes in privacy and social media, and we're talking about Cambridge Analytica and this snafu situation with Facebook as uh, the CEO of Cambridge was caught on camera bragging about using personal data from millions of Facebook users to help the Trump campaign secure the 2016 election. And Andrew... Mark Zuckerberg, CEO of Facebook, being called in front of a House of Commons committee in Britain. What sort of consequences could Facebook face as uh, their part in this scandal? Well, in Canada, the the consequences of of privacy uh, breaches are are typically, uh, to this point, primarily reputational in nature. So that's to say that under the privacy laws, you can file a complaint and the Office of the Privacy Commissioner of Canada can investigate that complaint and make findings. But there's no ability to uh, award damages. For that, you need to go to the federal court and only after the Privacy Commissioner uh, has released its findings. So what we've typically seen in Canada is uh, more reputational in nature. If you're, you're a financial institution or perhaps a social media provider, and it's out there that you don't protect your users' information, then that hurts your brand, and that's probably... The, the, the biggest concern. But now what we're seeing is we're starting to see more privacy uh, recognition in the law, privacy lawsuits and class actions. Uh, typically, you see that in the context of sensitive health information being lost. Uh, but of course, there's been Ashley Madison uh, class action lawsuits as well. So for Facebook in Canada, uh, we've, we've heard that the Office of the Privacy Commissioner of Canada is looking to investigate. And then there's the question of whether some uh, enterprising plaintiffs out there might bring a class action lawsuit to the extent that Canadians' personal information has been protected. Thanks for being a resource on this, Andrew. We will uh, reach out again. You've been very informative. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. 
Andrew J.D. Buck, partner at Pitt Blado Law Firm, specializes in privacy and social media. And just before Global News at 8 o'clock with Jeff Braun, spotted something from Assiniboine Park Zoo. They sent out a media invite for this morning, they say. Assiniboine Park Zoo at 11 a.m. will announce a new attraction coming to the zoo for a limited time only starting this summer. And they say the new experience will be unlike anything in Manitoba. That's intriguing. One, two, three. Time for Three Things with Chantelie Vidal. Three things that have to do with health and safety. Good morning, Brett. Good morning, Greg. Now, Good morning, Charlie. At least we have power here at 680 CGOB. At least we do. And uh, funny thing, I uh, actually got a call in the newsroom. There was actually a uh, a gaggle or a gobble of turkeys over by the, I think, the North Perimeter by Patterson. So watch out for those. Okay. And But first up, before I go into number one, I just want to say a special thank you to our listener, Kristen. I got a letter here in the mail, and I was so excited because she had... Uh, sent me a letter and she had sent me two garbage pail kids and uh, a coupon for the zoo, which I am so excited about it. So thank you so much, Kristen. You had uh, made my week. Very good. So now into thing number one. So Manitoba has introduced legislation to extend parental leave and establish leave for individuals to care for critically ill family members, critically ill adult family members, I should say. And the bill stretches parental leave to incorporate federal changes to employment insurance from 37 to 63 weeks. The financial benefits would not increase, but would be spread more thinly over the longer period. And the person taking such leave would will be still guaranteed their job uh, still guaranteed their job will be waiting at the end of the leave. That's something very, very important to have that security when you when maybe uh, your parent takes ill, you need to take care of them and to know that you still have your job waiting there for you. Absolutely. It's a big issue for a lot of people. Bless you, by the way, Greg. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I don't know how many people heard that. Greg just kind of just poked his head outside the studio to, to sneeze. So I guess it's kind of health related. They, uh, they, they, my sneezes uh, register on a Richter scale somewhere. So <laughs> many apologies. <laughs> What's number two, Shadow? Number two is something uh, actually uh, uh, Brett gave me a heads up about this morning. Uh, scientists have made a discovery about mice that could lead to new ways to treat, uh, treat people for obesity. Cornell University researchers were expanding on earlier studies that showed that obese people often can't taste flavors as intensely as thinner people do. So what they did is they fattened up some mice and then they studied the taste buds of those mice and found that obesity reduced the number of those taste buds by some 25%. Interesting. Yeah. The culprit appears to be obesity-related inflammation, which can interrupt the normal regeneration of taste buds. And scientists say if the findings pan out, this could lead, be, lead to new ways to treat obesity. And I have actually reached out to the lead author of the study, so hopefully he'll get back to us and we can get him on the show to find out more about this. Yeah, and, you know, this sort of thing makes sense. We were discussing it in the mm-hmm. newsroom, right? This idea of when you're, you know, not all people who are obese are addicted to food, but if you're addicted to food, if you're addicted to alcohol, to drugs, right? The effect and part of the effect of food is the taste. Mm-hmm. Oh, and absolutely. And so we, we eat and, and we salivate at the idea of a cheeseburger at 8.10 on a Wednesday morning because we know how it tastes. And if you are eating them all the time, they're that, not effect, as, that yeah. effect diminishes over and time. And they're, they're kind of not as, they're not as spe- they're special to your taste buds, right? Right. So if you only had a cheeseburger once a year... It would it would it would be like the most delicious cheeseburger in the world. More satisfying. 
We'll move on. No, We're I'm not a, telling you not to eat cheeseburgers, I'm though. You would never do that, right? I would never Shelley? do that. <laughs> what's, the, what's number three? <laughs> number three. Okay, this one's kind of safety-related. So I received a text from my provider about this three weeks ago informing me of this important update. Uh, maybe you guys got a notification as well? I don't think I've no? received it no? yet. About, I know a lot of people who have. No? I don't believe I have. What about you, Brett? Uh, maybe I did. I, I, I didn't see it on my phone, no? but I may have got an email or something from Rogers. I probably, probably thought it was them sending me my bill, so I just ignored it. Well, you could be getting a notification from your cell phone provider if you didn't get one already, because as of April 6th, Canadian smartphones could screech out a scary warning alarm during emergencies. It's not meant to scare you. It's more meant to alert you of a, a possible dangerous or important situation. Canada's wireless providers are preparing for the update, an update to the national public alerting system, and it's going to force smartphones to sound that ominous alarm when an emergency alert is triggered. Compatible smartphones will emit the localized alarm and bilingual text warnings in cases that may include amber alerts, terrorist attacks, forest fires, natural disasters, or severe weather. You can find out if your phone is eligible for that update. Just go online to alertready.ca. I wonder if it'll override if you have your phone on silent. Because my phone is on silent easily 80% of the time. You know what? I you know what? I, I don't know that answer, but I know when I do the fi- Google find my phone, because I always misplace my phone in the house. It does. And my phone is always on silent, but it forces my phone to to ring audibly. Okay. So I have a feeling that it even if your phone is on silent, it's still probably going to emit a sound. When does Tech Corner with Shanley Vidal start on <laughs> CJOB? I'm, I'm working on it. I have to go talk to our boss about that. <laughs> Thanks, SLV. Shanley Vidal, three things with Shanley heard every day after Global News at 8 o'clock on 680 CJOB. And we have a name in the Austin, Texas. You see it there, Greg? Yeah, Mark Anthony Condit. I don't suspect this name will mean anything to anyone in our community, uh, maybe anywhere in the United States outside Austin. But up until a handful of minutes ago, uh, the Austin bombing suspect, who is now dead, Uh, was uh, known and identified only as a 24-year-old white male. We now have a name associated with the uh, now uh, dead Austin bombing suspect. Yeah, and they were initially saying earlier that it was not terrorism-related, and we were wondering, well... How do you de- how do you determine that? And the, by definition, terrorism involves political uh, motivations. So we'll hopefully learn in the coming hours what exactly Mark Anthony Condit was up to, what was driving him to do these things. Ottawa is introducing new rules to make getting a gun more difficult. Over the past four years, there has been a sharp spike in the number of shooting deaths in Canada. Numbers not seen since the 1990s, when overall crime rates were much higher. To give you perspective, in 2016, there were 223 gun-related homicides in Canada. That's 44 more than in 2015. Mm. Here's Global National's Abigail Beeman on how the government is trying to reduce that trend. But she was very musical and and she was an interesting mixture of person because she was, scientifically she was fierce, but in every other way she was a dizzy blonde, you know. (laughs) Nina de Villiers was just 19 when she was abducted and murdered by a man with a legally owned gun. Her mother has been pushing for stricter gun controls ever since. In 2016, 31% of all gun-related homicides involved these types of firearms that don't need to be registered. 
Under Bill C-71, background checks must look at a person's entire history instead of just the last five years. Automatic approval to transport restricted guns becomes extremely limited. Businesses will need to keep records, but not private sellers. And anyone selling or gifting a gun must verify the recipient's license. Communities across the country facing a steady increase in gun violence. Handguns are used most often, but murders by rifle or shotgun increased by more than a third in 2016. Ontario had the biggest increase in gun homicides, but Saskatchewan and Alberta have the highest rates overall. And it's not just murder. Youth in uh, rural communities and in the West are more at risk of being killed with firearms because of the problem of suicides than any kid in downtown Toronto. If you're thinking, wait, isn't gun control really an American issue? In the current situation, the United States has stronger controls over the sale of firearms and better capacity to trace firearms. Priscilla de Villiers is worried horrific scenes of school shootings could come north next. I dread, I dread seeing our children having to march in the streets, grief-stricken, terrified. Now, Wendy Suke is the president and co-founder of the Coalition for Gun Control and says it's clear that Canada's current gun laws have not worked as intended. She spoke with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham yesterday evening on the news on 680 CJOB. What are the key pieces of this legislation that you say that this will make Canada a safer place? Well, it fills the loopholes that were created by many of the, the Harper um, changes. So, for example... The last decade, uh, the number of handguns, restricted and prohibited weapons has doubled. Now, they're supposed to be restricted and prohibited. In fact, Harper used to say they're virtually banned. Well, there are over a million of them now. Um, police in Toronto and in Vancouver and other, other uh, jurisdictions have said for the first time in 20 years, they've seen more crime guns that originated in Canada with Canadian gun owners than are smuggled in from the United States. That sends a really strong message that the, the relaxing of controls over legal guns in Canada has started to fuel the illegal market. We've seen increases in homicides, gang-related violence, domestic violence. I haven't seen recent suicide stats, but um, you know, in rural areas, and particularly the West, that's the dirty secret is where there are more guns, there are more dead people. And suicide is a huge issue, as is domestic violence, as are murders of police officers. So um, it's, it's important from my perspective to try to uh, get back some of what we had. Um, the Liberals made it very clear they were not going to restore the firearms registry. They announced they will uh, restore the controls over the sales of firearms. Uh, that were passed by uh, Prime Minister Trudeau 40 years ago. So I guess that's a step forward. But uh, the fact that you you hear, uh, you know, opponents of gun control claiming it's a backdoor uh, registry is just preposterous. Uh, if, if that were true, we would have had a registry since 77, and the 95 legislation was very different. Nevertheless, at least we um, will be back in line with... Uh, what, what is in place in the United States in terms of the controls on sales of guns. So uh, it's an important step in the right direction. But, you know, some of the arguments that I've, I'm seeing today, I've seen 
before, as have you, and uh, the gun lobby won't be satisfied until there's a handgun under every pillow, as far as I'm concerned. That is Wendy Suke, who is the president and co-founder of the Coalition for Gun Control, who says it's clear that Canada's current gun laws have not worked as intended and is encouraged by the new gun bill put forth by the feds. Going to the movies could soon be an even bigger experience. Cineplex has announced it plans to build the rec room at Seasons of Tuxedo. It's being called the country's newest social playground for grown-ups, which includes live entertainment, dining, and amusement gaming experiences. Sarah Van Lang is Director of Communications for Cineplex. She joins us now. And Sarah, the, the rec room actually doesn't even have a movie component to it, does it? It doesn't. It is what it is. It's, it's an entertainment destination. So think of it as 40,000 square feet of fun times. That's oh. the best way that I can describe it. Well, uh, the, we could just leave it there then. It sounds like <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, a great interview. <laughs> is it like a, is it, so what is it like a giant Chuck E. Cheese for, for adults? You know what it is? So I would say half of it is awesome food and dining and bars. And then the other half of it is amusement games. It's air hockey. It's virtual reality. Um, this location is going to have a, have bowling lanes, and it's going to have axe throwing as well. Okay, Sarah, two things here. Axe <laughs> throwing and alcohol consumption. I had you, I, have, I have you really below? thought this through? <laughs> and the what other, uh, axe throwing and alcohol consumption, have you really thought this through? Well, they're obviously very closely monitored, and it is kind of like darts, I have to say. Like, they're they're not full-size axes. Okay. They're, they're more like hatchets, but it's, it's, it's kind of like playing darts, but a little bit more fun. Okay, cornhole's more my speed, but that's fine. Uh, what kind of bowling are we going to have? 10-pin or 5-pin? It's going to be 10-pin. Uh-oh. And it's yeah. luxury bowling? And have you ever done a virtual reality experience before? Oh, yes. Okay, great. Well, then you're in for a treat with that as well. And then, of course, if, you've, if you're, you know, virtual reality may not be for everybody, but then there's 110 amusement games or an arcade games and and pinball and all kinds of awesome stuff. Now, Sarah, just uh, one more thing on the bowling. It's described here as luxury bowling. Yep. What's that? Yep. So just think of it, it. It's new and clean and fresh. Like recliner kind of seats yeah, or whatever? Yeah, there'll be, there'll be comfy chairs around it and and it's 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 new and, and shiny. You get brand new bowling shoes every single time you go there. <laughs> they've only been worn once. <laughs> Sorry, that's my editorial. And, Sorry. And gold shoes as well. Oh. 100% gold. <laughs> Sarah Van Lang, Director of Communications for Cineplex, joining us here. She has a terrific sense of humor. This is a big get for Winnipeg, isn't it? Pardon me? This is a big get for Winnipeg. So we we opened one in Toronto. We have there's this are going to be our our eighth location, but we have five that are open now. There's one just down the road from our office here, and it's there's so many different reasons to go to the rec room. So you may go um, just to catch the game. Uh, in our case, it would be the Leafs. In your case, it would be the Jets. So you could go and have a beer and watch the game. Uh, I've gone for birthday celebrations with a big group. We've hosted obviously we've hosted corporate like our our team events there. Um, there's just so many different reasons to go. You could go. Just just for virtual reality and then, you know, go to a movie. You could go just for dinner. So we haven't even really talked about the food. So it'll have two dining options in it uh, and, and delicious pizzas. Uh, we'll have a poutinery, a custom donut bar. 
it's it's a pretty it's a pretty amazing place to go. It almost sounds kind of like uh, like a fair or like a like a like a festival, but that just happens to be year round, where you can sort of wander around and try this and try that. Yeah, it's kind of a, an entertainment complex. So if, again, I, I was saying like fifty percent of that space is dedicated to to restaurant and bar. Um, there's there's a quick service option. So if you want to just get a have a have a, a poutine and play some games. You can do that. If you want to have a slice of pizza, you can do that. If you want to sit down and have, um, you know, a wood-fired steak or um, a, a custom pizza, you can do that as well. Um, there's there's lots of reasons to to eat there and to and to celebrate. Sarah, we know and it's we ten. We haven't even talked about the redemption factor too, oh. which is another whole. So there's a wristband that you get. Remember how you would go to a would go to an establishment like this in the past, and you would have, or if you were a kid, and you would have a bucket with tokens and tickets mm-hmm. and you would play skee-ball and the tickets would come out and you would go and redeem those tickets for prizes. Well, right. we've, we've played up on that at the rec room as well. And it really brings back that sense of nostalgia. So you get an RFID wristband and that's your tokens and your tickets all in one. So you go up to a game and you'll scan your wristband. Uh, and then when you've, you've played all the games and um, you've, you're leaving for the night, you would go into something called we call the trophy case. And there's a, a whole big array of prizes in there. Everything from wax lips and, and paper airplanes to drones and iPads if you're inclined to you know, keep your wristband over a long period of time and save up. The Rec Room from Cineplex set to open in Winnipeg late 2019 at the Seasons of Tuxedo. Sarah Van Lang, Director of Communications for Cineplex. Thanks for telling us about this. This sounds wild. Well, I'm excited to open with you. Greg teed up Cottage Country's Lake and Cabin Show, so that's what we're going to talk about now. The Red River Exhibition Park. It's happening this weekend. And to tell us about it is Andrew Walker, who is Managing Director of Cottage Country's Lake and Cabin Show, joining us live in studio. Mr. Walker, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Thank you for having me in here. I mean, uh, first day of spring yesterday doesn't take long. I know people enjoy their cottages more and more year-round now than perhaps they ever had, but certainly with spring on the horizon, it's impossible not to think about getting open the cottage and... Tell us a little bit about what you'll be uh, sharing with us at the show. I know all the exhibitor spaces have been sold out, so that's obviously good news for those planning to attend. What are they going to be telling us about and sharing with us? Yeah, it's a fantastic show we've got on the on the go this year. Um, really, we've got everything you need for your cottage project, whatever that might be, from concept to completion. Uh, so whether you're an owner and you're looking at you know, doing some upgrades on your cottage, uh, whether you're putting in a new guest cabin in addition, doing some renovations, uh, or whether you're looking to build new, um, or even if you're just uh, thinking about buying a cottage uh, you know, in the near future, everything you need kind of from A to Z, you can find at this, at this event. We've got all the top businesses uh, that look after the, the, the sector. And uh, I mean, really, if you're looking for docks, uh, boats, a new deck, sunroom, uh, if you're looking to do some maintenance, maybe on the roof uh, or the interior part of the cabin, we've got furniture, custom kitchen makers, flooring, blinds, uh, you know, hot tubs, you name it, A to Z, we've got it covered. Do you have a cottage, Andrew? I do, actually. My property is located on the Winnipeg River, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a local cottager. Has it been in your family for a while, or is this something you picked up yourself? Uh, we picked it up probably about 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah, in this region. So uh, it's a fantastic area to be a cottage owner. There's such a diverse range of, of um, you know, properties, 
on waterways, whether you're a boater or, a fi- uh, you know, you're into fishing. Um, this region's got some fantastic opportunities for people to get out there and enjoy it. Winnipeg River, is that uh, like near Lac de Bonne? A Pinawa-ish kind of? Yeah, it runs pretty much from, from Ontario all the way down in. So, um, you know, there's got a lot of people on the Winnipeg River, for example, as it comes out of Lake of the Woods, um, down through the Manaki region, then it crosses over and works its way all the way through um, down into the Manitoba side. So, yeah, Lac de Bonne. You know, we don't have to spend much time selling Manitobans on the benefits and, and how lucky and how good we have it in terms of cottage country. But I, I lived in the Okanagan Valley. And I mean, waterfront property is expensive on Okanagan Lake and on the shoe swap. But you see Alberta license plate after Alberta license plate pouring into British Columbia, five, six hour drives. And I don't know how many people, countless people that I know that are friends with in under two hours. They're door to door, whether they're on an island in Lake of the Woods, under an hour if they're up in the interlake, an hour or so if they're on the east or west side of, of Lake Winnipeg, and then into the white shell a variety of different times. We're so lucky in such a variety of choice in terms of lake country, Andrew. Yeah, that's true. I, it's this, the, the variety that people have here is, is amazing in this area. And it's, it's really kind of a, um, an, you know, a, a secret in the Canadian cottaging you know, a sector because, like you said, you know, people are very familiar with what's some of the stuff that's out west or in Ontario. But really, you know, uh, in, within a two-hour drive of Manitoba, you've got some of the best cottaging in the country, and uh, and that's the reason why uh, you know this show is so important for the for the people. There's thousands of people who are enjoying the lake every summer, and um, if you've got a cottage project that you've got on the go. Um, you can save yourself weeks of time of running around meeting customer or meeting the businesses trying to get the information. With a matter of two or three hours at this show, you can get everything sorted out from A to Z for whatever your cottage project might well, be. Your summer's precious, right? So you don't want to be spending a whole bunch of time. And the difference I know for me when I'm doing something at my house, I've got a Home Depot and a Rona within about a nine-minute drive of my house, 20 minutes round trip. But when you're at the lake... You got to make sure you got everything, the whole kit and caboodle and the trailer on the back of the truck when you're heading up because there's uh, very few options in, in a lot of locations to run out if you run out of material and you haven't provisioned properly. Yeah. No, it's it, it's good to have it all organized ahead of time because like you said, some of the properties aren't easy to get to and, and it's it takes a little bit of planning. Um, the businesses that we've got in the show this year, so they're very, very diverse, and they're all specialists in each of their little areas. So like I said, um, you know, whether you need a new deck, a new dock, a new roof, whether you're looking up for some uh, new indoor-outdoor furniture, we've got uh, handmade furniture specialists that come in uh, that are going to be at the show. We've also, for people looking at gifts, we've got some artisans that are in the show this year who do some really, really interesting uh, woodworking. Uh, so there's all kinds of things for people to buy. Uh, on the... Leisure side of it, we've got boats, pool tables, indoor-outdoor games, uh, hot tubs. Um, so, you know, pretty much anything you can think of what you would really need for the cabin, you can come and get it at this uh, this event. And maybe even some stuff you didn't imagine you could yeah. have at your, cad, at your cabin or cottage. Well, I mean, just looking at the grand prize draw that you have here from Lux Furniture Company, Lux Barbecue Company, uh, a va- total prize retail value of almost $6,000. Yeah, uh, this is. Do you have the prize details in front of you there? Yeah, what they're providing actually is it's a full outdoor patio set and three barbecues included. 
in that. So you could... Uh, the person three, sorry, three barbecues. Three barbecues. <laughs> There's three barbecues in there with the outdoor patio set. So you get a full outdoor party, three barbecues. So you can have one of the barbecues at the house in the city, one of the barbecues at the lake, and the other barbecue in the guest cabin. That's well, beautiful. Phil and Evan going uh, all out there <laughs> for the uh, big show this weekend. Uh, so when does it start? What are the hours, Andrew? Yeah, so it starts on Friday at 3 o'clock. It runs from 3 to 9 on Friday. Saturday from 10 to 7, and uh, Sunday from 10 to 5. All right. Andrew Walker is our guest. He is Cottage Country's Lake and Cabin Show Managing Director. Joining us live in studio, the website lakeandcabinshow.ca. It sounds like a great time at uh, Red River Exhibition Park happening this weekend. If you've got a cottage or you're thinking of getting a cottage or you need to fix up your cottage or... You're just dreaming about one day having a cottage. Or just need some stuff for your cottage, whatever. Go check it out. Andrew, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, guys. That's all the time we have. I'm Brett McGarry. He's Greg Mackling. Thanks to Behind the Glass, Jerry and Shanna Lee Vidal. And thank you for listening to CJOB. And